nervous system and our body understand that too much stress for too long is dangerous because you have all this cortisol being pumped out into your body. Too much cortisol over time is, is very deadly. It causes damage to the nerves, damage to the vessels, and then you start to get inflammation, and then you start to get autoimmune disease, cancer, all these negative effects that come from too much stress for too long. Hello, you guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Tea Please podcast. It's been a minute. I was originally not planning on breaking into seasons, but man, it's way better than my first plan, which was to never take a break and just release a new episode every Monday until I die. (laughs) So the break was good. I'm so glad to be back. I was feeling like I didn't know if I was going to get there in terms of feeling re-energized, ready to do this again. I want to talk more about the break and like what came up for me because, you know, I self-analyze every single thought that I have and I definitely did that during that break. Um, But I'm going to be dropping in more solo episodes throughout this season. So the first one that will drop in a few weeks will be kind of unpacking what that looks like for me. So I'm not going to spend too much time re-introing myself. I'm just really glad to be back and feeling definitely better, more calm. I used to be like a little anxious on Sundays recording intros and I, I felt like it was more of a chore and I'm really practicing how to like make things enjoyable for myself because I definitely self-sabotage and it's hard for me to know what I really enjoy if I do that to every single thing that I ever try to do. It's like, do you really not like to do something or are you just ruining it for yourself? (laughs) That's kind of where I was at and what I was doing. So we're back and we are coming at this season with a different mindset. One that is going to be sustainable and just more in flow. I feel like I was working against myself a lot, overcoming a lot of fears that I had, building up confidence that I have been trying to build for years and figuring out who I am, what I actually like without the self-sabotaging nature added onto it. We are not going to be hiding behind production value in editing, in Instagram content, in what I post on stories. Perfectionism, let me tell you, it will ruin things for you. And it's really been ruining things for me. So we're just coming at this season with a whole different perspective. And I'm really excited. It's going to be great. So what else is actually going to be different about season two? Well, you may have noticed that the intro music has changed just a little bit, which I love. Um, There were a few things that I did when I first launched the podcast that I don't really feel resonate with me or I don't feel super connected to. So one of those was the music. So we got that changed thanks to a little help from our sponsor for this week's episode, Fiverr. All my creatives and entrepreneurs out there, Fiverr is so helpful for tasks that you might need a little extra help with or it's just not your area of expertise and you just want someone to help you with it, like mixing music. I don't know how to do that. I was just pulling clips of just royalty-free music and using that and I feel like this is way more professional. It's not as like kitschy and poppy. I really liked how like light my other intro was, but this just feels way more like me and I could not have done it without Fiverr. So basically any situation that you're like, dang, I wish I had a friend that knew how to fill in the blank, 
edit a podcast, edit a YouTube video, make an Instagram graphic, make me a little promo video, Fiverr can hook you up. So click the link in the show notes for 10% off your first order and then DM me and tell me what you're working on. Fiverr is also super quick if you have a tight timeline or if you're on a tight budget, there's different pricing options, or you can message um, the freelancer and see if they can help you out. Um, You know, you'd think that I would have thought things through a little bit more than I did for season two, but I literally got on Fiverr this last week, like four days ago, and was looking for someone to help me with a new intro, because I was like, I have to change this. And they got it to me today. (laughs) So super quick, I'm able to use it for my premiere of season two, which is amazing. Love Fiverr, love you guys. Get that 10% off, link in the show notes, and get some help with whatever you need. All right, so what's up with season two? What can we expect? What's different? What are we doing? I can only answer part of that because I really feel like growing this podcast is a form of therapy for me. It really pushes me to ask myself what I'm doing, why I want to do it. Is this really me? Is this authentically me? How can I be more me? And then who even am I? To be honest, I am 29 years old and I still feel really confused about who I am a lot of the time. I often wonder what it would feel like to feel really confident in who I am and what I'm after. I know that there's people that feel that. They feel a really strong sense of self. And I'm still uncovering a lot. I attribute a lot of that confusion to spending a lot of my early 20s messing around in toxic relationships and morphing into whatever I needed to be to feel included. Pair toxic relationships and someone as sensitive as me and you get someone who really had to do some work to understand what I'm about and ultimately who I want to be. There's just a lot of work that I am currently doing to try and answer those questions for myself. It's a really exciting place to be but also can be a little bit frustrating because I feel like I'm 29, why the heck don't I have a strong grip on what's me, what's not me? Basically, I was still feeling this disconnect between what I was posting online and who I was in real life, and I wasn't sure how to bridge the gap, and I still am not quite sure, like, why I feel like I'm nervous to post online, or I can't, like, be the real me online, and I have to be this, like, other persona, so I keep trying to make up personas to be that are parts of me, but it's not the whole me. You know what I mean? I know I'm going to look back on these early days and just like cringe so much on what I'm doing and what I'm saying because like I know that I like am going to figure it out and really get to a place where I feel like just so in my element and just in flow with how I show up online because I don't want to leave the online space. I love it. But yeah, I know that I'm showing up now in this in-between phase where I don't always know and some things are weird to me and I'm testing out a lot of different things. So All that to say, the podcast is also going to keep changing because I keep changing. When people start a business or a side hustle, you often get asked, what could you talk about for hours? What are you interested in? And for me, it's mental health and the human experience when it comes down to it. So obviously, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any professional credentials when it comes to mental health. But I have struggled with mental health for as long as I can remember way back when I didn't even have the vocabulary to describe what my experience was like and why I was making the decisions that I was making and how they were related to mental health. I've taken an interest in mental health out of complete necessity. I make so many conscious decisions throughout my day in the name of mental health. What time I wake up, how I start my day, can I handle coffee today? What should I eat? How much should I move? 
Do I need to connect with a friend? Do I need to completely shut everyone out today? When I'm not having those check-ins with myself, I tend to spiral. So in terms of the podcast, you can definitely expect mental health to be the focus and underlying theme in most of what we talk about, or a lot of what we talk about. The narrative is changing on mental health. It's definitely not where it was 10 years ago, but there's still a lot of work to be done in understanding mental health in our world today and actually what we can do about it, not just understanding that people have mental health problems. For example, I still feel like making a whole podcast about mental health means it's going to be really heavy and serious, and I don't want it to be like that. I don't think I talk about mental health that way in real life, so I don't want to talk about it that way on the podcast. Thinking big picture, a lot of what I'm interested in is also our experience as humans. So with mental health and the human experience as the two main focuses of the podcast, we're going to cover a lot of ground. And right now, that's where I see the trajectory of the podcast, but it might change because if it doesn't align with me, then it has to change. And I'm really just figuring it out. So I'm really grateful that you are willing to be on this ride with me. I think there's a lot of value in sharing the messy in-between. And if I waited until I knew exactly what I was doing and how I wanted to do it, I would never do anything. I would never release one single episode. So I have to be okay with not knowing and just keep doing what feels right. So that's what we're doing. All right, so this week's episode. Of course, I'm excited to share it with you. And it's really going to shed light on where I was at when I decided to take a break in the first place and why it was absolutely the right decision. I'm sitting down with Elizabeth Kristoff, owner of Brain Based Wellness. She teaches her community how to improve their well-being through applied neuroscience and movement. This week's episode, we're talking about self-regulation, burnout, binge eating in response to stress, and why our bodies instinctively want comfort food, and how our central nervous system plays a huge part in our overall well-being. I talked to Elizabeth at the very beginning of my break and used a lot of what I learned from her to come back to myself and get my bearings again. What I might love most about this episode is that it really gives us permission to take a step back and stop being so hard on ourselves for not having enough energy to keep going when we're burnt out. Our brains are really going through some stuff in those times. The good news is there are definitely tools that we can be using that will help us identify when we're going down this path of dysregulation and burnout and how we can really stop ourselves from going too far. Um, Super valuable episode. I really think you'll like it. Let's get into it. Give us a little background on why you are so passionate about this and how you got the knowledge that you have now on it. So how I came to have the practice that I have is I actually started studying functional neurology or applied neurology, which is basically just taking the latest in neuroscience research and brain science research and breaking it down into really practical useful exercises that any person can use to train their nervous system to make it more resilient and to also learn tools for self-regulation. As your nervous system starts to move into a dysregulated state, you can actually have these really practical tools that you can use to bring yourself into a more calm and regulated state. And I started practicing applied neurology 
and in 2015, when I had a Pilates studio, I had two Pilates studios here in Austin, and I've been a mover my whole life. After graduate school, I went right into the business, opened up these studios, and have always been really big into mindful movement, connecting people to their bodies. My movement practice has seen me through a lot of really tough times in my life, and I think without even knowing it, I always used movement as a way to regulate myself. Um, and to, to help my nervous system be healthier. Mm-hmm. And so I had these movement studios and we were developing a teacher training program and I knew that I wanted the brain to be part of that. I wanted brain science to be included in that because I could see that the future of movement science was including brain science. And I had done enough research to understand that, um, you know, you don't have a tight hip flexor, you have a nervous system in a brain that is telling your hip flexor to hold a certain amount of tension. And so you can stretch it all you want or you can foam roll it, but if you don't address the underlying issue, the problems with the operating system, which is your nervous system, then it's always just going to go back to the way that it is. And so you have to really Mm -hmm. heal it at that deeper level to really experience change. And I knew that. So I started studying neurology and then found in Functional Neurology Institute in Arizona that I began studying with for our teacher training program. And I used applied neurology or functional neurology. Those are two words for the same thing. Um, for many years to help people train for athletic performance. So I worked with athletes and I also trained for pain management, people who had chronic pain. And then my life kind of fell apart. I hit a period of life where I lost the business. I had to dissolve my partnership shares in the studios. At the same time, my partner at the time, my romantic partner at the time was diagnosed with a very rare cancer around his heart. And we went into a long battle of of fighting that. And the floor just kind of fell out from under me. And I was under a lot of stress all the time, really big financial stress, really big health concerns, relational concerns. And And experiencing all that stress, interestingly enough, also brought up all this unresolved childhood trauma for me. So it was just like coming at me from all sides. And I started to experience a lot of really severe outputs of my own nervous system. Outputs like almost blacking out, really, really strong dissociation and brain fog, a lot of binge eating or stress eating that got really painful, really hard to manage, chronic pain, migraines, a lot of shutdown. And I started to recognize in myself all the symptoms that I saw in my chronic pain clients when they were starting to move into threat. And I started to really look at my behavior and my outputs from a lens of curiosity. And I had all this background in applied neurology. So I understood that the nervous system drives all of our outputs, all of our behaviors. That's underneath all of that. And I started to really evaluate myself and my own nervous system. I started to read a bunch of books that I was using at the time to try to help my partner who had really severe PTSD to try to understand like, why did he have autoimmune after the cancer? What was going on with his body in regards to his nervous system? And I read books like Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine and The Body Keeps the Score and began to understand that everything we experience in life, we experience in our our body and our nervous system as well. And I, I saw him in those books, but I saw myself too and began to realize that I was really going through life in a very dysregulated, very shut down state. And that propelled me into a long road of healing where I started practicing somatics, which is just body-based processing of emotions and stress and, and really 
learning how to use applied neurology and functional neurology to heal myself and then to really be a tool for behavior change for mental health and for well-being and then it was out of all of that research and and that my own process of healing that the business I have now came to be wow thank you for sharing all of that and it's just it's amazing that like you've really used such a stressful time and like you've clearly dealt with some like real big world stuff that like I think some people can relate to some parts of that hopefully not all of it but you know it happens I'm just so excited to ask more questions because there's there's so much that goes into it and I can personally relate with just feeling that and like I I want to ask you about shutdown because that's what I've been feeling the last like month or so because I not at all to the scale of like the the issues that you've gone through but just a lot of stress starting a new job getting married buying a new house trying to renovate the whole entire house our dogs being sick there's just been a lot going on and I notice I'm like I've completely shut down and I don't it's hard for me to like figure out where that's coming from so talk to us about shutdown like what are the different ways that you can identify that that's happening So you made a really good point. Not everyone has things as severe as I did. And I think sometimes we get to experience things really magnified because we're supposed to learn from them in order to serve others. And I feel Mm -hmm. like that was what happened in my case. But everyone experiences periods of prolonged stress. Everyone has times that dysregulates your nervous system, just like you're talking about. Those are big stressors. Even if they're good things, change Mm -hmm. is threatening to our nervous system at a very physiological level because our brains function on pattern recognition and they use those pattern recognition processes to make predictions and those predictions are intended to keep you alive and to keep you safe so when Mm -hmm. the patterns start to change that's just inherently threatening whether like you're getting married is a great thing but it's still a big change and so all of that has changed and I would also say over the past year and a half much of the world has been in a period of chronic stress with a pandemic with social isolation you know we're social animals we need each other to help regulate our own nervous systems yeah and I I know I've seen a lot of like dissociation in the last year with a lot of the issues just like can't deal with it don't want to I'm gonna I can't deal with that right now just because there's a lot of social topics that are coming up and not everyone has the capacity to engage in every single one that's right so with the shutdown like you were asking about there is there's different states of our nervous system there's kind of a regulated state we're never entirely in one state or the other it's always kind of flowing between states but you want to stay within a certain bracket of regulation you don't want to really peak way up here or way down here and so there's hypervigilance which is fight and flight it's when you're preparing for a threat response and all of the blood moves from your guts out into your limbs because it's getting ready to activate you to to take action to make those muscles contract to run or to fight and so you'll feel that as your heart speeding up maybe your mouth starts to dry out because you're you're moving out of a digestive mode so you start to lose the saliva in your mouth you get a lot of tension in your muscles Um, could that be like a pit in your stomach like that like typical anxiety mm -hmm. I feel like is fight or typical anxiety the pit in your stomach yeah because really at a physical level the blood is leaving those organs and moving to your limbs and so you kind of feel that in your gut and typical anxiety that's right increased respiration that's fight and flight and then when we stay in that state of chronic stress for too long we can go beyond that to state called freeze which is hypo arousal it's it's not enough and so what that manifests as it looks like 
shut down. It looks like brain fog, migraine, depression, dissociation from our body. And that's when we're moving into more of a freeze response. And you can see this in, in the animal world too, when a, when a prey animal is chasing or when a predator is chasing a prey animal and they just kind of collapse to the ground, they're dissociating to avoid the extreme pain or maybe that the other animal will think that they're dead and move on and then they come out of it and they shake and they process all of that and reawaken their body but a lot of times we don't know how to process and reawaken our body because we've become so detached from our body over time that learning how to how to reactivate and move out of that state is is a big skill that I work on with people as well so you can know that you're starting to move into shutdown but just by the experiences that you're having in your life, if you feel that it's hard for you to remember things, if you feel like fuzzy in your mind all the time, if you feel like you're not grounded or present in your body, if you experience things that cause you to go like lay down and block out all the stimulus because like it's numbing behaviors like mm-hmm. watching TV or definitely like whatever it is. Yeah, definitely numbing behaviors. Yep, absolutely. Those are all dissociation. And and then what happens is our brains and our nervous system and our body, our old brains, when I'm talking about the brain, I'm usually talking about our cerebellum, our brainstem, our back brain, that's our survival brain, not our prefrontal cortex, not our higher order thinking systems. Our old brain, our nervous system and our body understand that too much stress for too long is dangerous because you have all this cortisol being pumped out into your body. Too much cortisol over time is is very deadly. It causes damage to the nerves, damage to the vessels, and then you start to get inflammation, and then you start to get autoimmune disease, cancer, all these negative effects that come from too much stress for too long. And so our brains will drive us into behaviors that re-regulate our nervous system, that move us out of that state of chronic stress. And so that behavior could be binge eating or stress eating. So if I eat a bunch of food, it will literally take me down out of that fight and flight response into my parasympathetic nervous system, which is my rest and digest nervous system. So I can regulate myself by eating a bunch of food. So when I was under all of that stress, my brain, old brain and body found like, hey, this is a really effective way to get you to move out of this dangerous state of being and to move into that parasympathetic state. And and it was really my brain and my body's best way of protecting me. Pain is another great behavior change tool that your brain uses to get you to reduce the amount of stimulus coming in. If your brain can generate pain, then or the experience of pain, then you're going to take smaller steps. You're not going to work out as hard. You're not going to interact with people as much. You might go lay down, block the light out, pull the covers over your head and reduce all of that stimulus coming in. And then suddenly that the world is less threatening now in terms of your survival in that second. So our old brain is always most concerned with, are we safe or unsafe right now? And it'll drive our behavior based on that not our long-term goals yeah I really like that in the context of like the brain science behind it because I've heard many times like you know just in in being kind to yourself and like well if you did have like a disordered eating stage of life or whatever like that we're supposed to say like you did everything you could with the knowledge that you had and like you were taking care of yourself in the way that you knew how and it's like that's true 
but it makes so much more sense when you're connecting it to like your brain is literally like craving you to do that it's not like oh I'm just coping any way I can and this feels good so I'm going to do it like it does feel good but it's because your brain is actually like using it to bring you down it's really it's it's keeping you alive I had a moment not that long ago a couple years ago where I really realized that my binge eating saved my life I've known other people that had I have a pretty high ACE score which stands for adverse childhood experience and so the level of trauma in my background was pretty high so I was in a pretty dysregulated state for a long time Mm -hmm. but I was still a really functioning person in society I owned a business I was active I could interact with people seemingly well on the outside and I seemed highly functional but I've known a lot of other people who had the same amount of trauma the same kind of trauma but they did not have food as a tool for self-regulation and they got really sick they got really sick from staying in that dysregulated state for so long they developed cancer some of them had to be institutionalized and so my body was saving me it was it was protecting me and it can feel so frustrating like your body is working against you or like why can't I level up my business without getting shut down with a migraine or why can't I change my relationship patterns without feeling this intense desire to engage in some kind of compulsive behavior it doesn't have to be binge eating could be drinking could be whatever that calms your nervous system down and the thing is it really is the all of our behaviors come from our brain's best bet to either get the stimulus that it needs to stay healthy and active or to re-regulate our nervous system to keep us safe and to keep us alive yeah that makes so much sense so with like we talked about some of like the coping mechanisms and things that our our bodies will do intuitively and our brains will want to do intuitively when we're in this state but what are some things that like we can proactively do if we're feeling that or like I've noticed in I've made a really big effort literally in the last two weeks because I've noticed that I'm like I am in this everything that you're saying I've been feeling foggy unable to focus I literally forget what I'm saying in the middle of a sentence and I'm like completely sober in the middle of the day and that's not like me like I have a good memory so something's going on I'm shutting down I'm like logging off and then going to bed so I'm recognizing this and I'm trying to bring it in and I've noticed in the last few weeks that while I'm working like I'm not in that fight or flight stage anymore um I think like acknowledging it or whatever I've just noticed a shift in really putting intention behind like trying to regulate like you're saying but I don't even have the I don't have the vocabulary and I don't even know what I'm trying to do but I I notice a change so what can we do like when we're noticing that we're feeling like hypersensitive or I, I call it functioning on overdrive I would say that a lot at work like I feel like I'm just in overdrive all day just going going racing racing and really flustered and I can't calm down yeah The first thing is exactly what you're doing, which is so beautiful, is starting to approach it with a mindset of curiosity and starting to read those little signals that your body is sending you. So our body speaks to us quietly at first, and then it will speak louder and louder until it gets our attention, right? So it might be something really subtle, like a little bit of pain in your knee or some tightness in your jaw or something quieter. And if you can start to recognize those early signals just by paying attention, just by bringing 
bringing some awareness to it. Then when you feel those signals, like for me, it was, there's pain in my left knee, tightness in my jaw. I would start to feel really heavy. And if I could do something when I got those earlier signals to regulate my nervous system, to give it some stimulus that it needed, then I could interrupt that cycle of behavior before I got really dysregulated. If I waited until I was all the way into like a panic mode or into a binge or whatever, it's too late. I'm already on autopilot then. So some of the best tools that you can use that are very simple to help moving out of that dissociative state, especially is, is anything that will stimulate your vagus nerve. So our vagus nerve is cranial nerve 10. It runs from your brainstem all the way down, down it to your heart, your vocal cords, your diaphragm, your digestion, and all the way down into your pelvis. And it is the nerve that is the highway between our body and our brain. It gives our brain all of the signals from our organs, lets our brain know what's going on inside of our body. And it also sets a lot of our autonomic functions, which is anything that happens without your conscious awareness, like your heart rate or your digestion, your respiration. So let me just give you a couple quick ways to stimulate your vagus nerve. And what's really important with applied neurology is that you always assess and reassess because everybody's nervous system is different and unique. And what might be really positive for one person might not work for another person. But the good thing is that change at the level of the nervous system is instantaneous. It's lightning quick. So we can always tell if a drill is positive or negative for you. And then we can change it if it's negative. But for the sake of this podcast, we'll just say if it's negative, it's not your drill for today and let's just find another one that's that's better so it's easy to assess you can just assess a range of motion so you could just turn your head from side to side see how far you can see out of the corner of your eye you could notice how much tension you have in your neck you could even take a forward fold notice how your hamstrings or your back feel and if the drill is positive you're going to get more range of motion you're also going to feel calmer and just have a different kind of state of being so you can just close your eyes drop from your head into your body for a second just notice if you have pain notice if you can feel your heart rate um, how much saliva you have in your mouth if you have more saliva that's positive if your mouth dries out that's negative and just kind of look for those little cues whether or not you're moving in a in a positive direction what and other then, things wh- might be negative like you mentioned having a drier mouth or something like what would it feel like if it was like this is not right Okay, so if you felt more tension in your neck or if your range of motion was reduced, negative. If your pain gets worse, negative. So like definitely always, even sometimes people will be like, I have a little more range of motion, but now my low back started hurting. Pain is is a strong signal from your brain that something is threatening. So never move into pain and pain is always a sign that that's not that something about that is threatening for you. So pain, um, dry mouth, uh, shoulders elevating or more neck and jaw tension, kind of moving into that startle response of your Mm -hmm. spine rounding forward, um, your shoulders elevating, some tension around your eyes. Because if you think about startle reflex is an automatic reflex that our body goes into when we're under too much threat. So if I was like going to throw something at your face really fast and you weren't expecting it, you would kind of Mm -hmm. curl in on yourself, your shoulders would rise up and you would furrow your brow so if you start to feel even just subtle eye tension that's a sign that you're moving into threat so those are all some good signs that you can look for can you take a deep breath or is it harder to breathe into your belly and you have to breathe Mm -hmm. into your chest So then we're going to do a drill that helps stimulate the vagus nerve. So our vagus nerve activates the back of the tongue 
And one of the great ways to give your vagus nerve some stimulus is to just do some tongue movement. So a really simple drill is keep your mouth closed, but you're going to circle your tongue over your teeth and just make big circles with your tongue going a little bit further back with each circle. Yeah, perfect. And just keep breathing in through the nose and trying to make your exhalation twice as long as your inhalation. Slowing our exhalation down is really good. And then just start to circle in the other direction, maybe between five to 10 circles in each direction. And then when you're done with that, take a breath in, take a nice long exhale, just let it settle into your body and then reassess. Notice how the tension in your neck feels, notice how your jaw feels. And that's one great way to start to stimulate your vagus nerve. Another great way to stimulate your vagus nerve is to kind of stretch it where your diaph- where it activates your diaphragm. So stimulation to the diaphragm helps activate our vagus nerve and it also helps our respiration. So it's kind of knocking out two really important birds with one stone. So you would just sit up nice and tall. As you exhale, you're gonna round your spine forward like somebody's pushing your front ribs towards your back ribs. So you're gonna round your spine from the part of your spine that's attached to your rib cage and really kind of compress in. You're gonna breathe in through your nose and then breathe out forcefully through your mouth until you breathe out all of the air. So like really push all the air out of your lungs as you collapse forward. And then inhale, come back up and stack your spine nice and tall. And you would maybe do that two or three times. Mm -hmm. And then again, take a breath in, take an exhale, let it settle into your body and then reassess. So those are two examples of just very simple drills that someone could do. You can do them on a Zoom meeting if you're stressed out. (laughs) That's right. That's right. And so the best way to is to learn maybe three to four drills that your body, that your nervous system responds really well to, and then do them frequently throughout the day. So instead of like trying to have a really long morning practice of training your nervous system, which don't get me wrong, I I do that sometimes, but like for the average person, maybe making it last two to three minutes and then just throughout the day constantly be re-regulating your nervous system so as that threat level starts to rise up you bring it back down it rises up again you bring it back down so that in real time and in real life we're re-regulating our nervous system and setting a new baseline because you mentioned like meditation practice and stuff like that and that's great it's wonderful i love meditation but also sometimes those changes don't stick in our real life when we're not in a quiet space where we can be totally focused on our breath. And so these are really practical tools that you can just stick in throughout the day. When you start to feel yourself moving into stress, you can, just like you said, you could pop off your Zoom meeting for a second in between Zoom meetings. You could go to the bathroom really quick Mm -hmm. and do it. And just instantaneously start to move yourself out of threat response into a common response state. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm just, trying to process like how how it would work if you like had a consistent practice if you did this every day like I know you said like same thing with meditation but if you did have like a morning practice or consistently is this something that would like because your brain goes to patterns would this help you over time or are these more like in the moment tools that are really helpful if you need to come down but like can it give you a long question yeah 
both is the answer to that. So I always arm people with really high payoff drills to use for self-regulation, things that their nervous system really likes. And then the morning practice or the applied neurology practice is something that you do daily to actually train your nervous system to be better, just like you would train your muscles in the gym to get stronger. So what I focus on is the visual system, your eyes, the balance system inside of your inner ear, your vestibular system that kind of orients your body with the horizon. It lets you know where you're moving in space, head movements, and then your body mapping system, your proprioceptive system. So all of those systems give information to your brain your brain integrates all that information and it makes a picture of where your body is and the world around you using that information. And then it uses that information to make predictions to keep you alive. And so if the quality of that information can get better, then your brain feels safer on a second by second basis, making those really important predictions to keep you alive. And so every one of those systems is just made up of a bunch of different skills and every skill is trainable. So I train the visual system in a bunch of different visual skills. We practice focusing near to far. We practice training your peripheral vision. We practice moving your eyes in all different directions. And we practice giving our vestibular system stimulation that it needs and looking for the unique deficits in my clients' nervous systems that they can train over time to, to heal those deficits, to resolve those deficits so that their nervous system is functioning better. And when their nervous system functions better, they can handle more stress in their everyday life without going into those protective outputs, without feeling so threatened that they have to shut down. Yeah, that's what I was kind of putting together as you were going through that because I think like my tendency when I'm feeling this way or like definitely overstimulated or dysregulated, whatever it is, I am just like, what do I need to change? I'm like, okay, so this is not working. Quit the job. Okay, this needs to come out. That relationship's gone. And I just cut all these other things out and I wonder if I'm not giving myself really a fair chance because I'm not doing this work and like really focusing on my central nervous system and the big impact that that has when I go into these different situations. Like, can I build resiliency, like you were saying, to not feel the need to just quit everything? Because I think that's something that people feel pretty often or like you can't stick with something. Like, well, why? Because it's hard or it's, it, it adds something negative. Absolutely. So what can 100%. we do to like you want to expand your life or you want to take new calculated risks and you keep getting shut down and eventually you get burnt out and eventually you let it go you give up on the things that you want and so yeah and people think that that's like oh well then that wasn't meant for me because I couldn't handle it it's like I wonder Mm -hmm. how many times is that really true yeah, that's absolutely right. So there's a couple of things to think about there that can really make a big difference for people. So one is the applied neurology training your nervous system. And I tell people to think of your nervous system like a bucket and all of your life stress goes into the bucket, right? So the financial stress, relationship stress, work stress, the stress of the pandemic, the stress of being a mom or dad or whatever it is, all your life stress goes in there. But so does all the stress from your various physiological deficits in your nervous system. So say my right eye doesn't move as well as my left eye. Well, that's stressful to my brain on a second by second basis because it relies on that information to make predictions and the visual system is really, important to our old brain sense of survival. Or maybe I have a 
old ankle injury that I never properly rehabbed. So my body map of where my foot is in space is a little bit blurry. The mechanoreceptors in that joint have not had stimulation for a long time. So my brain doesn't know exactly where my foot is in space. And then every single step I take is a little bit threatening to my brain because it doesn't know exactly where my foot is going to land. So those deficits, they increase the water level in that bucket all the time, all the time. That water level is just rising from those deficits. And again, our, our bodies and our nervous systems and our old brains understand that too much stress for too long is dangerous. We're resilient and we're meant to handle a certain amount of stress. But when it gets to the top of the bucket, they're going to start to produce those protective outputs like pain, like dissociation, like dizziness, like migraine, like fatigue. Um, And so if we can heal the deficits in the nervous system, then the water level in the bucket comes down on a second by second basis. And then you have more bandwidth in your bucket to handle the stress of behavior change, to handle the stress of working for social change, to increase your job, to grow your business, to change your relationships. You have more space because you're not incurring all of the space, all of the stress that comes from your nervous system deficits. And not getting stuck in like a burnout cycle where Mm -hmm. you burn out, you completely shut down, you like go into a cave for a few weeks and then you come out feeling better because you've maybe done those other coping mechanisms that we talked about. Like maybe you binged, maybe you like only watched Netflix for two weeks or, you know, did whatever it is. And then you come back and you're feeling good because your body, your brain took you down. You're ready to go after it again, but you really haven't worked on like the resiliency and the tools that can help you actually fight the fight that you're fighting a little bit better. That's exactly right. I lived my life in in that cycle for pretty much 12 years when I was building my business. I would work and work and work and run myself into the ground because of my deep core wound beliefs and my state of hypervigilance. And so I was just dysregulated, working myself into the ground to feel safe, to feel okay. And then I would get shut down and pushed into a state of hypoarousal where I would have to re-regulate with a binge, with a migraine, with binging Netflix, like you said, reducing stimulus. And then I would get up and work and work and work again. And then I would crash and it just went on and on and on like that. And I really didn't understand that there was a different way to live. I just thought that that's the way life was until things got so severe for me that I had to learn all this about my nervous system and my body and learn that there was a way to to heal this and to change that. But yeah, I think many people are just completely unaware that that we have this very well-designed operating system. It always responds to the stimulus that we put into it. It's always changing and we have some agency over the direction that it changes in. Totally. I mean, I'm someone that is very aware of how I react to things and I'm always trying to be better in that. And I, this is like so affirming. This is very timely. I'm like convinced that we were meant to have this conversation today because it's so applicable to what I'm, what I'm feeling. And it's really resonating and makes so much sense. And it's giving me a lot of hope, honestly, and like how I can work on these things to manage my life a little bit better because it just feels like a lot. And then I'm like, what the heck? Why are we all living like this? And like, I know I'm not the only one. People talk about stress all the time and how they're burnt out and then they just keep going. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe it's personality types and I just don't have the personality type or like I'm not made up the same to be able to handle all this. And it's like, no, (laughs) I just maybe need to work on some of these things to build that true resiliency. 
That's beautiful. And I'm really glad we're having the conversation too, because it is, it's so important to have the hope that it can be different so that it, it inspires people to take the time to do the work. And it's really, it's sometimes it can actually be very simple. I have many clients that um, have those cycles of shutdown, especially like migraines and pain. And within a couple of weeks, you know, they'll be moving out of the migraine and then they can start to think about what are my desires? What do I really want from my life? And they almost, it's almost like they forget like, oh yeah, I used to always get shut down by migraine. I had a moment like that where I was like, wait, I can actually like work for something that I want. <laughs> it's because yeah. I was in such a state for a few years that I that I was the last thing that I was thinking about of like my goals and dreams because you're in survival mode if you're thinking that's that right. way that's right absolutely are there any resources that you would recommend for someone like beginner stage <laughs> to get to know more of of this so in in terms of learning just about the nervous system and applied neurology I actually have a free video series on my site so if you go to brainbase-wellness.com where I I have some videos about how to assess and reassess what's working for your nervous system. I teach five of the most popular high payoff drills that really benefit a large number of my clients. And it's all free and it's all there. And people can just start to get an understanding of what applied neurology is, how things affect their nervous system, and how to really start becoming the expert of their own nervous system so that they can tell, like, is this moving me in a positive direction or a negative direction? And you can apply that to everything. You can apply it to your workouts. You can apply it to your morning practice, your meditations, whatever, and make sure that you're really making positive change. And then in terms of understanding deeper about different nervous system states and trauma responses and how we carry all of that around in our body, I would suggest Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine is a great book about somatics and how our body, you know, what trauma really is, right? So trauma is not the event. It's the physiological reaction in our body. And trauma doesn't live in the past. It, it doesn't know time and space. It lives yeah. in the moment. And it's what happens physically inside of us when we re-experience that trigger of that event that it's the body's response to all of that is really what trauma is and starting to understand that everything we experience in our mind we experience in our body and so that stress and those emotions really need to be processed through the body and just to start to understand that that's a great book for that complex ptsd by peter walker is a great book for that and um, The Body Keeps the Score by Basil Vanderkark is a great book as well, just to understand more about the connection between our life experiences, our nervous system, and why it's so, so important to not just try to address things at a cognitive level, but at the level of the body and the nervous system as well. Awesome. I'll definitely make sure to link all the resources and get them myself because I'm very curious now. I wanted to ask just a little bit about somatics. That's something that people are like, Whoa, wow, what is that going to do? Let's just lay in a room and like listen to these sounds. And so I'm curious, can you tell us like how that actually helps your brain and like why that might be worth doing? Yeah. So I think that's a very common reaction to things. And, and I think for me, somatics is one, just being really curious about your body and the sensations in your body, being curious and exploring your movement and reconnecting to your body. So really developing a relationship with your body where you're trying to listen to what it's telling you and letting that 
guide your decisions, your movement, your practices, but on a real physiological level and, and why this is really important for our health is it's very important, I have learned the hard way, <laughs> that we have to process emotions through our body. Emotions are not meant to be internalized and emotions are very physical things. They're hormones that cascade through our body, they're sensations that cascade through our body and they're actual energetic reactions. And we live in a society that is pretty suppressive of emotions. It's, you know, we're taught to think that it's bad to feel angry or it's bad to experience your grief and so we internalize a lot of that because we become afraid to feel it we become afraid to express it maybe that's from childhood trauma maybe it's just from the paradigm that we grew up in maybe Mm -hmm. we just lived in a family that didn't wasn't very emotionally expressive but what happens over time is all of that energy and and those chemical reactions they get stuck inside of our body for lack of a better word and there are many studies real legitimate scientific studies of how emotional suppression can lead to issues with your gut health issues with chronic pain and mental health collapse and i myself have gone through a long period of having to relearn how to express emotions especially grief and anger and grief is different than depression depression is an output of freeze it's a it's a nervous system shutdown mm-hmm. grief is a totally different vibration it's just an energy that's meant to be expressed through and our bodies know how to express this. So I have one teacher that talks about emotions are like poop. So if you like <laughs> think about it, you're not you're just not supposed to hold it in. And it's a very natural, normal part of being a human. So like I'll have some clients that are like, I'm not angry. And I'm like, that's not possible. It's just part of the human experience. That's like telling me you've never sneezed. I'm just not someone who sneezes. It's like, no, no, no. This is just how our body works. Yeah. Is it's meant to express these emotions. And so I, when I first began my healing, I, I learned that I was, I had used my intellect to see myself through everything. I relied on my mind to understand things and to process things and, and it saved me. But at the same time, my old brain was stuck in a state of fight and flight and my emotional center, my limbic system was just shut down. It was just frozen. Mm-hmm. And I ended up, I have celiac, I have autoimmune. And as I started trying to experience my emotions, like letting my emotions out in little chunks, I would actually get autoimmune response. I would break out in eczema. I would have inflammation. I would get a fever. My body was so threatened by this at at that point that it, it just didn't know how that it would react in a threat response. So I had to develop a lot of protocols for being able to process emotions safely. I had to regulate my nervous system with applied neurology before and after I tried to like express my anger or grief and I had to do it in minimum effective dose. And as I have done that, and as I've done that work with my clients as well and taken them through that protocol, people move out of pain, people move out of chronic inflammation and they reclaim their energy. There's just a tremendous amount of presence and power and an energy that comes from releasing all of that that you keep stored inside of you yeah is the release like verbally when you're saying express so i i allow myself to feel the feeling 
I think I think about the thing that's causing the anger or the grief or sometimes I'll think about not engaging the unwanted behavior like say I want to binge and I think about like pushing the food away not engaging in the behavior what feeling does that bring up in my body and then I do something to regulate my nervous system as I start to name the sensations that I'm feeling inside of my body so maybe I'm doing some vagus nerve drills some tongue circles some long exhalation breathing maybe I'm doing some tapping on different acupressure points, some EFT tapping, whatever it is, something that makes my nervous system feel okay to start to experience those sensations. And then I just start saying out loud, how does it feel in my belly? How does it feel in my chest? How does it feel in my throat? And as I connect to those sensations, something will happen. And my body does inherently know how to express the emotions. I just have to make it feel safe enough to do that. So I might cry. I might yawn. I might feel the need to scream and just grab a pillow and scream or punch the pillow or shake my arms or jump around or move, maybe do some forward movement. And I just kind of let my body intuitively lead me in the best way to express that emotion. But the general somatic ways of emotional expressing are yawning, crying, sighing, screaming, shaking. Mm. So interesting. It's been life-changing for me. I do something which is not something that like, I don't do that. I used to say like, I don't get angry. Like anger is kind of like a foreign emotion. I typically feel sad before I would feel angry. It's not like my go-to emotion. But I've been there (laughs) with like just the amount of things going on. And so it's really interesting to know that that like, could that's probably helped me feel helpful it actually has yeah your body intuitively was like hey do this and I think it's something that people used to do a lot more and we've just civilized ourselves out of yeah these animal nature expressions of of emotions and the problem with that is that that energy gets really internalized and dysregulates us yeah and I wonder if that's just because we have more like numbing tools that our brains like more than we had in the past like addictive technology and that kind of thing where like your brain really likes that and likes scrolling so let's just do that instead of like the physical expression of some of these things totally think you might be onto something there i think we have lots of numbing tools it's also not super socially acceptable especially anger with women Mm -hmm. like um we're taught not to express our anger and that's the one that i have the hardest time getting my clients to tap into because they've just been taught so deeply even if they don't know it at such an early age to not express that grief people feel like they're going to be overwhelmed with their grief Mm -hmm. if they start to let it out so they don't let that out and so and and men are taught often not to express their sadness i just think about that yeah when you were saying that and i was like i wonder if that's why men historically or statistically don't live longer than women i'm like maybe because they're told like especially with emotions and if you manifest illness after so many years of suppressing all of that i don't know I I wonder these things. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a good question. Yeah. Well, your clients are definitely so lucky to have you. Where can everyone find you and connect with you online with your services and your business and... How can we find you? Yeah. So the best place to find me is through my website, which is brainbased-wellness.com. And again, you can um, go there and sign up for that free video series just to get started. There's some educational videos and some really high payoff drill videos. And you can just start to develop a short a short practice that will help you learn to regulate. It's important to me that people have these tools so they're there for you there. Then I'm also on Instagram at E-L-Kristoff, E-L-K-R-I-S-T-O-F. 
and you can follow me there. I also put little videos up there, but the website is probably the best way to, to get to me. That is it for this week's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it, and I really hope you have a great freaking week. And I hope you'll follow me on Instagram at the Tea Please Podcast. DM me, message me. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. You'll see me a lot on stories. We have a good time. All the resources that you heard Elizabeth mention there at the end are linked in the show notes. Go ahead and check those out. Check out Elizabeth's website. She is amazing. And don't forget to click the link for 10% off your first Fiverr purchase. And tell me what you're working on. <music> <laughs>